Hello, and welcome to Nex Talks. I'm Nex, and this is where I talk. Today's episode is about food, and yes, it's going to be an uncomfortable one, so buckle up. Why is food such an uncomfortable subject for so many of us? You may be sitting there thinking, "Ah, talking about food doesn't make me uncomfortable at all. I feel very confident in the decisions that I make around my food, what I put into my body, and I would be ready to go to bat for it if I needed to. If someone wanted to criticize what I was eating, I would feel very confident defending my position. And that's great for you. (laughs) So many of us were raised around unhealthy messages around food. Perhaps someone in your family struggled with an eating disorder. Perhaps you yourself have struggled with an eating disorder. Perhaps you live in America like myself and you are raised on the standard American diet. Perhaps your family didn't know anything about nutrition or health. And as we learned about it, we had already deeply ingrained such unhealthy habits that it became nearly impossible to change anything and overwhelming. So now when we eat, we feel shame, we feel guilt, which directly impacts the way that we digest our food. Before we even get into the specifics on what's good for us, what's not good for us. And I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not an expert, and I'm not perfect. So as always, like I always say, take everything I say with a grain of salt. And if you have something that you want to add to this conversation, or if there's something that you are opposed to what I have to say, please feel free to express that. I want, I love to learn, and I know that I don't know everything, so I'm open to learning new information. This is just where I'm at today and the thoughts that I have today. Like I said, I'm not an expert. I'm just a chick who likes to learn and think and talk. I'm next. I talk. That's my thing. (laughs) So hopefully you'll like the things that we're talking about today, but I really truly hope some of it will challenge you. I know that a lot of this has challenged me. So before we get into that, we really have to explore our beliefs around food. What do we think is good for us? What do we think is bad for us? What do we think we should eat? And what do we think we shouldn't eat? And this goes for drinks too. What do we think about healthy drinks? What do we think about unhealthy drinks? And do we choose to put unhealthy substances into our body that we do believe are unhealthy? And how do we feel about that? Do we feel comfortable because it's pretty rare? Do we feel guilty? Do we feel ashamed? Do we do it in private, in secret? And why? There are so many stories that we tell ourselves around our food. And there are so many stories that we've been told about food from our childhood, from our parents or our caregivers, from our friends, other family members, from veganism to carnivorism and everything in between. Should we be eating animals? Should we not? Which animals are okay to eat? Which ones are not? And why? What about animal products like dairy? What about gluten? What about calories? What about the nutrition facts and the labels? What about the ingredients? There's so much to consider here. What's truly important? And I want to acknowledge that I realize there are so many things for us to think about, for us to worry about, for us to stress about in any given day, in any given season in our lives. 
So today might not be the day that you want to think about this or deal with food. But I do encourage you to realize that health is all you have. You're not going to do your kids or your spouse or your business or your job or anything, anyone, any bit of good if you are dead. And nutrition and food is proven to be the number one way to extend your life and to improve your health and your energy levels. And the more that you can learn about this for yourself, the more you can teach other people about it and just the better you can feed the people in your life. So we've talked in the past about how I know some of you don't have great levels of self-esteem and you don't really care about yourself too much, but think about other people that you feed and think about how important it is to you for them to be healthy. And we're going to work on that self-esteem and that confidence over time too, right? <laughs> but one thing at a time. Sure, an argument could definitely be made that you should only ever put the healthiest possible fuel into your body at any given time. And that's fine. We can all strive to attain that level of enlightenment one day. But where I'm at today and where I will encourage you is that it's really not about what you do 20% of the time. It's about what you do 80% of the time. So I'm not here to tell you that you have to be perfect. I'm certainly not. But lately, I have been feeling really good about my choices, so I'm at a season in my life where I'm feeling good and doing well, and it's been a process. I'm 32 years old when I'm recording this, and I was raised on soda. I mean, I used to drink soda as far back as I can remember, and I remember being in, I think, high school, maybe middle school, when I finally decided to give up soda or drink less soda, and I don't remember what caused me to try that or want to do that, but I remember I used used to actually get headaches. Like I really, I, I had to go through some withdrawal symptoms of soda as a child. <laughs> and, it, you know, so I'm right there with you if, if you were raised on unhealthy food and an unhealthy diet and an unhealthy environment. I had a single mom. She wasn't exactly Martha Stewart, you know, doing a bunch of meal prep and buying all organic food. And, you know, we ate a lot of mac and cheese and hamburger helper and Chef Boyardee but I don't eat any of that stuff anymore. So I've come a long way and I've learned a lot throughout the way. So I have my own stories. I know you have yours. And I just want to encourage you wherever you are at on your journey is okay. Today, you can start making better choices and you can start moving in the direction that you want to move. It's not about comparing yourself to someone else. It's just about learning and caring about yourself and the other people that you feed in your life. So that's been a big one for me. I really enjoy feeding people at this stage in my life. It's something I've really never felt confident to do before. Not only other people, but even myself. I never really learned how to cook. I always felt uncomfortable, insecure, and inadequate in the kitchen. It was not modeled for me, and I didn't know where to begin. I just always felt like an imposter in the kitchen. And the older I got, the worse it got. Not being someone who cooks started to become part of my identity. And I see this in people still to this day where they just say, yeah, I don't cook. And I think that a lot of you out there, if you're relating to this, it doesn't have to be that way. It's never too late to start learning how to cook or any new skill. 
But I would argue that cooking is fundamentally one of the most valuable, useful skills in the world. Being able to feed yourself is so important. Being able to feed others is a beautiful, beautiful gift that you can offer people. It just requires swallowing your pride and getting in the kitchen and trying it out. Find something that you normally like to get when you go out to eat and find a recipe for it online. Go to the grocery store, buy the ingredients, and give it a try. Chances are you'll be really surprised at how capable you truly are. Hey, maybe you need to buy some more things for your kitchen. Maybe you burn it. Maybe you burn yourself. <laughs> but it's all part of it. You know, nobody's great at something when they first start doing it. And that's okay. That's just part of learning a new skill. Take it in stride. Make adjustments for the next time you make it. You can try my strategy. Generally, the first time I make something, I follow the recipe to the T. Then, based on the results, I can make modifications to it the next time I make it. And every time I make it, it comes out a little bit better and a little bit more towards my taste and what I prefer. So you'll start to become more comfortable with that because just one year ago, I was not confident in my abilities. I now feel like I can cook pretty much anything. There are so many things I have never cooked, but my level of confidence is at a place it's never been before just by doing it and realizing that it's not so daunting and overwhelming and challenging as I made it out to be in my head. So the last year, almost a year, I've been single and I've been living alone. So I haven't had really anyone there that I would think would judge me, although I'm sure no one ever really judged me before either. But being able to have my own private space, my own private kitchen to cook whatever I want to cook and to experiment. And if I failed not to have an audience or not to feel like I let someone down because I spent 11 years of my life in serious relationships, monogamous relationships with men who... I wanted to cook for. So if I was going to cook, it was a thing, right? I'm going to cook something for us. So if it didn't come out great or if I felt like they didn't like it, it was very discouraging. It made me not want to try again because I don't really like being bad at things. But I'm working on that. I'm working on enjoying the process of learning and cooking is a huge one for me lately because I'll tell you that when you cook something that comes out really good, it is such a good feeling. So not only do you now have yummy food that you made yourself, which makes you feel proud and confident, it develops your sense of self because you now have a new skill that you're developing, a new recipe in your cookbook, a new tool in your toolbox, but also you know every ingredient in that meal. You know exactly what went into it, so you can modify it as you want, but also you can rest assured that there's no weird non-food items in your food, which surprisingly, the more I study this and learn about this, there's a lot of questionable ingredients that goes into a lot of the food that we eat. So if you're buying pre-made, packaged, processed foods, start looking at the ingredients. You'll see what I mean. You're not going to find a lot of those things in your pantry or anyone's pantry. You might not even be able to pronounce it. I know I can't. What even is it? What is it derived from? Why is it in there? What kind of impact is it having on my body and my health? And you can look up these ingredients and get the answers to those questions, but you better be ready to learn some things that you're probably not going to like. 
And that's good. This is one of those things that it's good to get mad about because this is legal. (laughs) It's legal for them to just put all this junk into our food that makes us sick. It destroys our gut. It destroys our energy levels. It messes with our hormones. And then to add in some extra fiber and try to sell it as healthy. I mean, it's complete BS and we need to wake up. We need to stop buying into this. We need to start voting with our dollars. Use your money to buy real food that's actually going to heal you, that's going to nourish you, that's going to give you energy, and the same thing for anyone else that you're feeding. And that brings me to takeaway number one for this episode. Start looking at your ingredients. They are so much more important than the nutrition label. Sure, there is some valuable information on the nutrition label, don't get me wrong, but it's very misleading, and they really don't have to put everything on there that's important. The ingredients are going to show you the man behind the curtain. I've been making that reference a lot, and I was just wondering the other day if any of my audience members are too young to understand the Wizard of Oz reference. (laughs) So if you have no idea what I mean by man behind the curtain please tell me because that would actually just make me laugh so much. Anyway, (laughs) so look behind the curtain. Look at the ingredients list. Stop obsessing over calories because the reality is all calories are not created equally. All calories are not digested by your body the same way and they do not give you the same energy that you think they are. Calories are supposed to be a representation of energy provided from a food, but unfortunately, 100 calories of beer is not the same as 100 calories of broccoli. And we all know that, so the fact that we get so misguided into thinking calories is all that matters, and we let all of these diet programs just give us insecurity about our bodies and tell us that if we just buy their products, all their low-calorie ice creams, that we're going to be thin and attractive and healthy. And it's such BS. You're still going to feel like crap and you're going to be spending a bunch of money in the exact opposite way that I just advised you to. Use your money to buy real food, not to buy a bunch of junk food that they zapped all of the real food out of to try to take the calories down so that they could add in a bunch of artificial flavoring and basically put sugar on a cardboard box and tell you, hey, you know, your waistline is going to love this. No, it's freaking not. Your gut is not going to love this. Your wallet's not going to love this. And your hormones are not going to love this. Your body is not going to love this and neither should you. Do not buy into their crap. Do not buy in to the idea that you You can eat ice cream on your way to health. That's not how that works. And you know it. I know you're smarter than that. It's okay that you fell for it. They take advantage of a lot of psychological and cognitive biases. But today's the day you accept that you are too smart to be buying into that crap any further. And you're going to start hitting the produce section at the grocery store more frequently. You're going to start making your own food and you're going to stop worrying about calories and start worrying about ingredients. And you're going to start eating food you know is healthy for you most of the time. And then every once in a while, you're going to treat yourself. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Although, like I said, some people will say you should never you know, eat anything unhealthy. I mean, (laughs) you could also die from things that have nothing to do with what you eat. So, you know, live a little if you want. That's how I feel, but (laughs) do what you think is best for you. 
So one really great way that the government has actually done something useful <laughs> for us is by coming out with the USDA Organic Certified Label. This is actually really great. I know that they try to sell you on the fact that it is a scam and that it doesn't matter if it's organic or not. Again, I'm going to call BS to some extent. If you're still eating organic gummy bears, okay, it's better than conventional gummy bears. I 100% believe that and we'll talk about why, but it's still gummy bears. You know, the ingredients are most important, but not organic ingredients can also cause a lot of side effects. So when you see that USDA organic label, there's a lot of things that you can rest easy knowing did not go into this food. And that includes the way the animal was treated when there are animal ingredients involved. For one, you can rest assured that there are no genetically modified ingredients involved in this food. Since 2013, according to the USDA website, no genetically modified substances can be involved in the production of organic food, and that's farm to table. So the way that everything goes at the farm, this includes the feed that they feed to the animals. The animals have not eaten anything genetically modified, and the packaging, the distribution, everything, the whole process has to be free of genetically modified chemicals or ingredients or foods or even seeds or any of that. Now, if you're not familiar with genetically modified organisms, generally the biggest reason that they genetically modify these seeds and plants is to make them resistant to chemical pesticides, fertilizers, things like Roundup that we know have caused substantial health defects, not just from people eating the foods, but from the farmers themselves. So not only are you going to feel good about what you're putting into your body, but you're also supporting healthier, more sustainable farming practices for the people who work hard to bring this food to your local grocery store or your local farmer's market or wherever you're getting your food from. Which I will say, if you can buy local, not only is your food going to be fresher, but you're also supporting your local economy, so bonus points for that. Regarding organic livestock, they have to have access to the outdoors, direct sunlight, fresh air, space for exercise, shade, shelter, clean dry bedding, and clean drinking water. So let's pause for a moment and think about the fact that that implies that conventionally raised livestock does not have those requirements. They seem like basic requirements for any living being to have access to. So do with that information what you will. I just started reading a book called Eating Animals, and I'm going to have a lot more to say about this after I finish reading that, but for now, I'm just going to leave this here. Also keep a lookout for 100% organic versus made with organic blank. If it says made with organic, that means that at least 70% of the ingredients were organic. And if it's 100% organic, that's exactly what it sounds like. 100% of the ingredients are certified organic. And the last thing I want to challenge you on before I let you go is the idea of a cheat day. Who are you cheating? yourself. What are you cheating? Your life. Why would you do that? 
And the concept of a cheat day usually comes in alignment with some really serious dietary regimen. Examine that. Examine the ingredients. Examine the sources. Maybe think a little bit differently. Like I said, 80% of the time is more important than 20% of the time, but having one day where you just eat junk food the whole day, and then every other day you don't allow yourself any, any bit of junk or anything at all, it just seems unsustainable to me. And in the research I've done, it seems like most diets are not sustainable. Most people, when they're doing keto or Atkins or all these different things, even if they have results in the short term, a lot of times they rebound to a greater weight than they were before they started because they binge afterwards. So try to find something that's sustainable for you. Try to find something balanced and just focus on the ingredients and the sources. Start there and let me know how you feel. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Next Talks. I'm Nex. I talked. I hope you liked it. If you did, please consider supporting this channel at nextjuice.com, N-E-X-J-U-I-C-E dot com, and clicking the support page. Thank you so much for your time, and if you have something else you'd like to hear me talk about, or if you have anything you'd like to add to this week's subject of food, please feel free to do so in the comments or on social media.